listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. So today, let me just go ahead and just... I'm just going to let the cat run free this morning. I'm just going to open the bag and let him just run out, okay? This is going to be difficult for every one of us because we are all super amazingly guilty of what Jesus is going to address today, okay? We're all, so let's just go into this already knowing that we've got some confessing to do. Okay, we've, we just, we've got to do it. It's going to have to happen. Let's just go ahead and decide that we're not going to be rebellious from the start, that we're going to confess our sin, and it's just, you know, we're going we're, we're gonna to do business with God. Because, you know, we can run around the bush, and he won't chase us, but he'll always be right there at that same spot going, you done running? Because that's uh, what he's been doing to me all week long. Because I know that I'm just as guilty as you. In this passage on mercy. You're like, wait a minute. You're guilty of mercy? No. I'm guilty of the opposite of mercy. And I think, no, I know it. So are y'all. It's called judgment. And we're going to look at, at the most often misquoted verse in our culture. This verse in Luke chapter 6 and its partner verse in Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 is the most recently misquoted, misunderstood, misinterpreted statement right from the mouth of Jesus that one could imagine. It happens most often when someone is engaged in an activity that they know you think is wrong. And if you lean in that direction or if you don't support their activity because of some conviction or because of some understanding you have of Scripture, then more probably than any other misquotation you've heard someone say to you, well, you know what Jesus said, judge not, lest you be judged. So you can't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. Well, that has nothing whatsoever to do with what Jesus was talking about. He's come down off the mount. He's chosen his 12. He's, he's not beginning his ministry, but he is beginning the portion of his ministry with an organized opposition. The Pharisees, the scribes, the religious leaders of that day, they have gotten together and they've decided that Jesus can no longer be tolerated. This one from Nazareth is preaching things that we don't agree with. He's going against our traditions. He's saying things that we can no longer allow him to say. We've got to get rid of this one called Jesus. So now he's beginning his ministry not through the leaders who should have seen him for who he was and and followed him for what he said and what he did and then led the people to follow him as well. They didn't. They chose to oppose him. And so now Jesus is taking the message of the kingdom to the people. And he's offering them, he's showing them what it looks like to follow him. 
He's pronounced some blessings for those that have a, have a broken heart over their sin. He's, he's, he said that God will bless them if, if, if there are those that will see who and what they are because of their sin and recognize what God is willing to do for them through the person of Jesus, well, they can be brought from poverty to rich, not in monetary ways. And they can be brought from mourning to laughter, not just in the way that I think and feel in my emotions right now, but through Jesus, I can be brought from death to life. And woe to you who think you've got it all together. Woe to you who think your righteousness is going to satisfy the holy standard of God because you're going to find out that your laughter now is ultimately just going to lead to sorrow later. Your riches now is ultimately just going to lead to poverty later because what you have now is temporary and insufficient. Or you can recognize your deficiency and find sufficiency in me. And then he lays out some ideas that are totally contrary to the way we think. It's, it's when he's called us to love our enemies, to do good though, to those that hate us, to, to bless those that curse us, to pray for those who abuse us. Jesus is just showing us the way he is going to live in this world, the way he is going to bring the good news to the people, and we're to follow him in that same respect. So we're going to pick up where we left off last week, but we need a little bit of a running start because what he said last week is going to help us understand more about what we're going to learn this week. So let's look, look at uh, Luke chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse number 35, where Jesus says, in summary, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Jesus summarizes those things that he has said about loving your enemies. He says, so, so identify those who have an ought against you. They consider you their enemy. Remember last week we talked about those who aren't our enemies, and in fact, Christians will find no evidence in scripture that allows us to have enemies from our perspective. We shouldn't have those that we hate and that we abuse and that we speak uh, harshly about. That's, that shouldn't be as followers of Jesus, but they will hate us. We're to love them, to do good to them. We're to lend to them. We're to expect nothing in return. And when they steal from us, man, we're not supposed to pine after that stuff because people are more important than stuff. I told you it was a hard statement to say last week. But as you do this, you will look like your loving, gracious, heavenly father. And then he says, verse 36, be merciful even as your father is merciful. This idea of mercy is withholding what is deserved. Someone is guilty. Someone deserves the punishment. Someone deserves the, 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 the consequences that come. And mercy withholds that retribution. Now what Jesus is not talking about in this passage is that every criminal 
ought to be set free and given mercy. Jesus is not talking about the social, societal justice system that tries the person and if found guilty then holds them accountable for their actions. There there are other passages, specifically in Romans, where God has given government's authority to maintain control and, and, and there's the truth that God is the God of justice. We learned this uh, just this past couple of weeks in student ministry. God's the God of justice. But God in dealing with us individual shows us mercy. And he wants us as we deal with one another and as we deal with those that we come in contact with, with mercy. What does it look like to exercise mercy in the world that we live in? And Jesus is going to give us some things. First of all, verse number 37. Being merciful, he says, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Jesus is not prohibiting Christians evaluating actions and attitudes according to the scripture. Jesus is not saying Don't look at a situation and make a determination on whether or not you should be involved or not, or whether or not your kids should be involved or not, or whether or not this activity is or is not pleasing to God. There are a number of places in Scripture where that's the very thing that we're to do. We're to discern things through the lens of God's Word. Jesus is not talking about Stop recognizing when wrongdoing is being done. What Jesus is saying is, stop highlighting another's sin with no sense of responsibility to their restoration. Jesus is saying, stop looking at your neighbor and deciding that they are somehow matched against you most of the time in judgment, we're seeing them as more accountable or more sinful or more wrong than we are based on the good we think we do and we see the bad that they do and we highlight it and have no sense of ability whatsoever to their life and how I might have responsibility to them beyond their sin that's judgment that's what the pharisees did that's what the synagogue rulers did they saw themselves in their righteousness and they evaluated others in comparison to how they thought of themselves and jesus says that's not mercy that's judgment in fact if you read enough in the scripture, you'll, deter, you'll, you'll come to the conclusion that the scripture says there is only one qualified to be judge, and that is God our creator. The sovereign God of the universe is the only one who through holiness, who through righteousness in its pure form can act as a righteous judge. And and it says in the book of John, Jesus says that that judgment authority has been transferred from the Father to the Son. 
So God is the only one who is capable of judging, and God the Father has said, God the Son, I'm giving that authority to you, and Jesus says, I've not come to condemn you. I've not come to judge you. I've come to save you. And so when Jesus sees anyone we come into contact with, he sees them through eyes of mercy. He sees them through eyes of love and grace with a desire to save. Well, they might not all respond to him, Pastor Kevin. We we realize that. But he never stops seeing them through that lens. He says, I want you to be merciful like your father is merciful. Has your father shown you mercy? And the answer from followers of Jesus will have to be absolutely. God has shown us absolute mercy. How has he done that? By not holding us accountable for our sin. How does he do that? Does he turn his face away from our sin? Does he wink? Does he say, it'll be okay, we won't talk about that? No. He doesn't turn a blind eye to it all. He put it all on Jesus. He put all of your sin and my sin on him, and then he poured out judgment on the Son so that we might receive mercy. In his grace, in his love, he has judged sin in the person of his Son, and we get the righteousness from that by faith in Jesus, crucified in our place and raised for our justification. So no, God doesn't wink. God deals with sin, but he shows us mercy. Now, what I want you to do, Jesus says, I want you to be merciful like your father's merciful. And mercy never sits on the judgment seat. It's not your seat. You ever sat in daddy's chair? You know, you're sitting in it, you like it, but what happens when daddy comes in the room? Hey boy, you know my chair? You know, yeah, that, <laughs> that seat doesn't even fit you, son. Get out of that chair. It only fits me. That's the way God is with the judgment seat. We get up. There. Y'all have seen those pictures at the beach? It's like the rocking chair or the lounge chair, and it's like, like 20 times bigger than it should be, and you're sitting up there, and you got your hand, and you look ridiculous up on that thing. Well, that's how it is when we jump up on the judgment seat. Now, how, how, that's not your chair. Get, get down from there. God said, I'm, I'm the judge. I've given that to the sun. The sun goes, I ain't judging today. So you come on, climb on down. Look, judgment, all of that is, however God is going to do what he's going to do in the end, it's going to have a judgment taste to it, and it's going to come, and, and that's up to him. I'm not, that's not what we're doing now. No, no, I'm, I'm here to seek and to save the lost. And, and while I'm gone, you're responsible for telling that message. Get out now off that judgment seat. We're guilty of doing this. Probably we're guilty today of doing this. It's very likely that even within this group, we're guilty today of doing this. As we evaluate another compared to myself. And as we think about their worth or we think about where they are on the spectrum of their walk with Jesus compared to me, we've been guilty of judgment. Judgmentalism is a condescending look at others through a self-righteous lens of comparison. And this happens a lot in the church. Well, they don't do it the way we do it. 
they're probably not as close to God as we are. Oh, they're using this broke down method. Well, they're not listening to Jesus or they'd hear him say, don't do that anymore. Or I can't believe they would try that as a church. And we judge. And the world says, I don't want to be a part of this people of God thing because of all the hypocrites in there. And you know what? Guilty we are. Because that's what we're doing. We're holding ourselves up here, looking at the world from this. And here I am up on a stage looking down at y'all. That's what we do. Well, those folks are just judgmental. And unfortunately, yeah, they're right. Jesus says, don't do that. If you're going to follow me, stop being so judgmental. In fact, stop being judgmental. Be merciful. Gossip is almost always the vehicle of communicating judgment and condemnation. When we begin to talk about folks, what typically are we highlighting? That thing about them that puts them lower on the, on the ladder than we are. And we love to talk about it. You know why? Because it makes us feel better. And you know what we're doing? We're judging. It gets really nasty when in our judgment we begin to condemn. You know what? We, when we condemn is when we say, and that's all they'll ever be. When we cut them off, when we dust our hands and say, you know what? I'm done with that person. We do so with our Savior saying, well, I'm not. I'm, I'm not done with them. I, I wasn't done with you. I'm not done with them. If I'm not done with them, don't you be done with them. You're going to follow me. you got to kick the judgment to the curb. I know that's what you've been taught by the rulers. That's that's what you've seen that's what you've heard and I know that's what you're going to do and have a tendency to you got to stop that you've got to kick that and embrace mercy deciding things that only God can decide because only he has the authority he says no I want you to follow me I want you to look like me I want you to be a person of mercy I I don't want you to ignore things that clearly need to be discerned. I I probably don't need to be in partnership with this person because they're following a different ethic than I. You know, I probably ought not encourage my daughter to date him because eh, his character does not display the kind of godly character that me as a father need to you know what I probably might not ought to promote that individual because their actions demonstrate that they might not have the best qualities for that role that's not what Jesus is talking about he's saying but as you look at one another see them through my eyes as your responsibility to them is considered consider my responsibility to them through you so mercy doesn't sit on the judgment. This is where prejudice of all kinds, this is where racism and all that kind of stuff, all that falls under this umbrella of judgment. And Jesus says, stop it. And then he says, where mercy doesn't sit on, on the judgment seat, mercy does seek to free and to bless. Here's what he says, same part of the verse number 37. 
He says, forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, uh, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Jesus says, mercy seeks to release. Forgiveness is one of the hardest things that we will do as human beings. Because when we get hurt, especially when it was by the actions of, of another that was an, an intentional action. Like they intended to do what they did. And it hurt me in all kinds of different ways. It is very hard for us to release them. Mainly it's hard for us to release them because we feel like forgiveness automatically means that we're saying, I'm okay with what you did. That's, that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not saying, I release you, you didn't do that, and, and we're just, we can go right back to the way we were. That's not always possible. What forgiveness does is it releases from you your right to judge them it releases your right to condemn them in your mind in your heart in your actions it just says god if i don't let go of this of this hurt of this of this pain that i'm feeling because of what they did to them then i'm going to continually judge and condemn so what i'm going to do is i'm going to release them They no longer have a responsibility to me. And I'm going to let you deal with them as you will. But mercy seeks also to bless. Not just forgive, but to bless. And God, I want you, remember, praying for your enemies. And God, I want you to do a supernatural work in them. I want to release, I got to release this. I've got to let go. God, I can't hold on to this anymore. I got to let this go. It can't dominate my mind. It can't dominate my heart. It can't dominate my thinking. I'm going to release them. I'm going to see them through eyes of mercy. I may not let them back with the family. I might have to have boundaries because of their actions. And all it's doing is just, you know, it's just discerning what is and isn't in, in line with but I'm going to let go of this thing. and I'm going to let you deal with them. And then I'm going to look for opportunities to bless. You say, well, that, that doesn't make any sense at all. Neither does it make sense that God blesses us who are clearly his enemy. And yet, what does he do? He sees us through eyes of mercy And he gives, and he gives, and he gives again. You see, when he says, if if you judge, you'll be judged. If you condemn, you'll be condemned. If you forgive, you'll be forgiven. If you give, you'll be given back to. You say, well, who is Is that God, or is that the the people that we're interacting with? I actually think that that it's kind of both. You see, I, I think as we... Act like God, seeing people through eyes of mercy. I actually think we have good evidence where God is going to bless us. Does that mean he's going to dole it out to us on this earth? Not necessarily, but, but what are we doing? When we act and we, we pursue mercy, we're, 
we're channeling the character of Christ. And what does God want to do? He wants to reward that. He, wa- he wants to bless. He wants to, he wants to pr- uh, present to us His reward for being obedient. But I actually think He's talking as well about others. Because you know, typically, if you hold a grudge against another, what are they going to do to you? They're going to hold a grudge against you. If you judge someone else, what are they going to do to you? They're going to judge you back. You condemn someone else, what are they going to do? They're going to say, you well, that one, that self-righteous so-and-so's written me off. Blah. They're going to condemn you back. If you forgive, what typically will they do generally? They'll forgive you back. And if you give, what will they possibly do? They'll probably give back. God says, either way, as you represent me, the fullness will come to you. And and I'm the one who doles out that fullness, and and, and it will be abundant. He gives this illustration here when he says, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. So the ideas of someone in that culture going to the market to get some grain, and they would typically have a piece of cloth that would be the size of a measure. You would take it and you would fill that up and you would turn the corners, you'd wrap it up, you'd take it home. So what they'd do is they'd come, they'd get in line. When it was their turn, they would sit down and they would take that, they would hold those corners of that cloth and someone would come and pour the grain into the, into the cloth and you would kind of let it droop between your legs as they're filling it up. You know, and, and, and with that grain, you could get it in there and it could kind of sit sideways. And you, you know how you do. You, you do this at the fountain drink machine. What do you do? You, you don't fill it up with Pepsi and then walk away with it with all the foam sitting on top. No, what do you do? You suck all the foam off. You know, you get it all clean and then you put it back in. Uh, let's just be honest. We'll take a few sips, you know, because you got to make sure that it tastes right, right? So take a few sips, and then you fill it up again, because you want, and you put the top on it, and what happens? You put the top on it, it's so full, it spits out the middle, gets on you, you're mad, you did it to yourself. Because you want the full measure. So Jesus is saying, you know, when, 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 when you receive the blessing of, of ex- exemplifying mercy in the lives of those around you, in my name's sake, your blessing like not just pour it in they'll give you an opportunity to shake it so that it all kind of settles down to the bottom and then they'll put a little bit more in you'll shake that cloth again so that it settles and everything's good and you'll put just hey can I get one more handful you you think it'll fit I think it'll fit and they'll put keep putting keep putting and I mean even to the point where you just barely tying it up and you can hardly get it tied and you go now that's a full measure right there and you go home satisfied with, hey, you know what? I got, I got every bit of what I paid for, right? Jesus said, just, just follow my lead. It ain't going to feel right. In fact, it's, it's going to feel all kinds of wrong. But you follow me. Be merciful. Don't judge. Get out of the habit. Don't condemn. But Forgive. And give and give. Then he gives them a parable. So we see that mercy doesn't sit on judgment seat. Mercy sets or seeks to, to set free and to bless. And he says that mercy follows the right teacher. He gives them a parable. He, he brings them back to what they've been being taught by the religious leaders. He says, verse number 39, can a blind man lead 
a blind man. Will they not both fall into a pit? Okay, so just imagine, you, you know, you've been around people that are seeing impaired. And, and what do you do to be a help to them? You walk alongside them, and if they're in an unfamiliar they can't see and they can't navigate for themselves, you'll put your arm out and they'll lay their hand on your arm. And then you'll walk safely for them. And you know what they're doing? They're just having to trust where you're leading because they can't see where to go. Jesus says, can two blind men accomplish that task? How ridiculous is it for one blind man to put his arm out to try to lead another blind man? They're both going to end up in the ditch. They're both going to trip over the things because neither one of them can see. What Jesus is doing here, I think, is is showing them the absolute uh, worthlessness in following the leadership in their synagogues. What you're hearing from these guys, what you're seeing from these guys is this idea of, of if God is blessing you, then you're good. If you're in a bad spot, then God's not blessing you, and I'm staying away from you, and I'm judging you, and I'm condemning you because obviously that's what God is doing. He's like, You've, you're going to have to stop following that. You realize that... Uh, the same is true for us. Now, certainly, if, if you're in, and I hope today that you're not in a judgmental church. I hope that you're not sitting there going, i got to find another place to worship, okay? I hope that's not the case. I hope that you don't find me to be judgmental. But you know what? If you do, you, you know who needs to hear about that? Me. You know who needs to tell me about that? You. Bring that to my attention, because that's something i got to quit. But if you were a part of a judgmental ministry, you would need to go, hey, you know, this ain't where we want to be because they're not following the way of Jesus. But even more than that, this really has a lot more application for us when it comes to our friends and acquaintances. When we find ourselves in places with people who are clearly, consistently exercising judgment and condemnation, not seeing people through the eyes of mercy. You know what we need to do? We need to try to encourage our friends not to be that way, and we need to demonstrate mercy in their, in their presence. But if they won't hear that, we need to find ourselves some new friends. Because guess what? Their influence isn't going to do anything but lead us into the ditch lead us into difficulty because we're going to hear it and we're going to follow it and we're going to do it. Some of us might even need to evaluate our own family. Man, cannot family members be incredibly judgmental? Well, you, 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 you can't leave your family. They're your family. They are what they are. But you can decide, I'm not taking my cues I, I look, I love them, but I'm not going to participate, and I'm certainly not going to go their way. Because Jesus says in following up, he says, a disciple, verse 4, is not above his teacher. But everyone, when is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So if you're going to follow these guys that are leading you week after week to be judgmental, well, once you're fully trained, you're going to be just like them, and you're not going to be following me. We've got to follow the right. Mercy seeks to follow the merciful teacher. Well, who is the merciful teacher? Well, of course, it's our Lord. 
And, and we want to be surrounded by those that will lead us in that way. The merciful recognize judgmentalism and refuse to be, re, to be led in that direction. Jesus' true disciples will follow his instructions and will ultimately become like him as they obey. Mercy doesn't sit on the judgment seat. Mercy seeks to set free and to bless. Mercy follows the merciful teacher and mercy ministers with an accurate self-awareness. This is the last and we're very familiar with this other parable or this other illustration. Jesus says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? Anybody ever had something stuck in your eye before? Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly painful. Like it's very, very, and it can be very small, microscopic even, but it gets in your eye and everything starts watering. You stop doing everything else you're doing, trying to get that thing out of your eye. You know, it's a big deal. So it's important. Jesus says, why do you see the speck that's in your brother? Okay, I see you've got something in your eye right there, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye. Okay, I I want you to understand, Jesus is making a very drastic contrast here. Taking it from the the very real sense of, of there being something plaguing you in your eye that needs it needs to be addressed because right now it's just causing pain and and boy we we got to get this out i got to find some water to get that so it's a necessary need jesus says how is it that you can see that your brother needs your help getting something out of his eye when you're walking around with a tree trunk stuck in your eye and probably as the people are hearing Jesus say this story, you know, they're looking at one another and they're chuckling like, tree trunk stuck in his eye. But who would have a tree trunk? And Jesus is like, no, follow the illustration. You can see the minor need in your brother. You, you have no concept of the major need that you have in your life. When, when we sit on that seat of judgment... We're all about helping folks find out what's wrong with them. And all the while, we've got this major obstruction plastered in our own eyeball. And Jesus is like, how ridiculous. How can you say to your brother, verse 42, let me take out that speck that's in your eye. When you yourself do not see the log that's in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that's in your brother's eye. Listen, y'all, we all fail. We all sin. We all step off the way. Sometimes it's for a little while. Sometimes it's for an extended period. We all do it. We're all guilty of failure and sin. Departure. We need one another in those times. 
It's what iron on iron is. It's, it's what we need in the body coming alongside of one another and saying, hey man, what's, what's going on? I, I don't understand why you've walked away. I don't understand what's happening. Can I pray with you? Can, can we spend some time just talk this out? Can we search God's word and try to find the answer to the thing that you're feeling and going there? We need one another. We don't have enough of that in our life. We need it. We're going to face accountability if we're going to find our way to repentance and restoration God's put us he's fit us together for that purpose but the judgmental one is unable to assist because they refuse to recognize their own sin and most often that sin is pride the judgmental one steps in and can clearly see oh I can see what's wrong with you well, I can help you get that out of your eye. But they don't see what's wrong with them. And Jesus says, when you, when you become aware of someone else's infraction, and it doesn't come first to identify with your own deficiency, then you're up on that big judgment seat. And you need to get down from there. Deal with the pride that's in your own life. Deal with the sin that may be the same thing. I heard somebody say, and it's probably true, what annoys you the most about others is very likely the same thing you do and just don't realize it. It may be packaged a little different, may have a different sauce on it, but a ham sandwich is a ham sandwich, and that's probably what it is that you are so annoyed about. So Jesus says, look, do, do you see their need? Yes, sir, I see their need. Do you identify that you struggle with the same thing? Well, I, I, I wasn't kind of seeing that, Lord. Okay, well, then you're not ready. Because you do. And as soon as you recognize that, you, you know what that's going to cause you to have? A whole different attitude toward them and their sin because then you're saying i'm just as guilty yeah you're you're listen you're right i I haven't done that action but i'm i'm just as guilty of that thought process or that 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 of dealing with a situation so I, i yeah i brother it could easily be me and one of these days, you may have to help me, but right now, you know what? Let's both go to the Lord. Let's both get this right. Jesus said, how, how, can, you, how can you see if you don't deal with what's in your own eye? He didn't say, don't tell someone that what they're doing is wrong. Because that's when you'll most often hear someone say, well, you're not supposed to judge me. Like, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm, I'm not judging you. I'm just as susceptible. Lord knows my heart and, and He knows my mind. And I, I'm not saying that I'm any better, you're any worse. I just, but that's not okay. And I want to help you. I want to love you. He says, because then you can clearly see to take out the speck that's in your brother's eye. And when they reject you, and when they say, I don't want to talk about that, I want to change that, you know what we don't do? We don't go, well, fine then. I'm done with you. 
Why? Because he ain't done with them. They're just not responding right now. He might want to use you again. If you're done with them, you won't be ready when it's time. So what does Jesus say? He says, be merciful because your father is merciful. And if you're going to follow me, well, we got to see folks through eyes of mercy. All right, what are we going to do? Well, we know, we know one thing we're going to do. All right, we know this. Point of application number one. Everybody here has certainly got to confess their tendency to be judgmental. Okay? All of us. Because we all do it. We do it all the time. We do it all the time. And confessing means confessing. God, this, listen, I, I was judgmental towards so-and-so. And I said some things about them that I know were up in that big goofy seat that's not, I'm not big enough for that thing. And and I know I said some things and thought some things and have been thinking some judgmental, condemning things. Father, forgive me for judging that one. As I was going through that process this week, I I thought, as as I began, I thought, okay, well, I I know, y'all know the, y'all know the ones that are the constant that you look at, and you know, well, so I thought I knew, and I saw, you know, three or four, and I thought, okay, I'll get that done, and and as I'm, as I'm confessing the judgment that I had on that one, and I'm thinking, okay, we're getting to the end of that, he brings somebody else to mind, I'm like, well, you know, Lord, you're, you're right, and, and, and wouldn't you know, then I'm trying to think about folks that I don't judge. And then he showed me, you just think you don't. I'm like, oh, Lord, this list is getting too long. And he's like, I know. I know. You see? You see what I'm saying? You can't can't effectively represent me because you're so conditioned to judging. And then it was just like, Lord, I'll be here all day. If if I got to go through all these, anybody's like, yep, bad, ain't it? Yes, sir. Sure is. Because you're you're pretty judgmental, aren't you? Yes, sir. I sure am. You want to be like that? No, but I probably probably will be. Well, you're going to follow me? Well, I guess I got to. I got to tell them about following you, so I got to do that too. Well, then, then put on... Your eyes of mercy. We were kidding about it this morning. Susie and I were talking about, the, you know, you get to that age where, you know, you used to pick up and then you're just like, okay, that's, let's get that at a spot. And, and you got to have, and I know some of y'all who are much older than me go, you young and quit talking. So, but I do. If I'm going to read too much, I got to put on the little reading glasses so that I can see right. We got to put on the mercy glasses. We got to put on the mercy lenses so it'll correct how we see wrongly how we think wrong so we're gonna pray in a minute it's up to you you got you got to confess your judgmental heart just like i did but then how different would things look if we all not just only confessed our sin of of judgmentalism of being a judge when we don't qualify for that. What would it look like if we all asked God to make us agents of mercy? What? I, what? 
75 folks, 80 folks in? What if like 80 folks this week truly ask God, God, I want you to make me an agent of mercy today. What, what kind of impact would we have on the same folks we're around every day? You, you think that might put us in a better position to point them toward the Jesus that we say we follow? So when we pray, consider not only confessing your sin of judgment, but asking God to infuse you with mercy. Here's a question. Who has been the object of your judgment who will receive mercy from you this week? Is it somebody at home? Have our children been the object of our judgment? Has your spouse been the object of your judgment? Are they going to get mercy this week? Or will they just get more of the same? What about at work? Your co-workers? They're going to get more judgment? Or are they going to get mercy this week? What about your bosses, your authorities? You, you, know, what, you know what we're responsible for them with? Mercy stinks. It's unnatural. It's unfair. But it looks like Jesus. Who needs your help getting the speck that is driving them crazy out of their eye? Who needs you? To come alongside them so that they can hear about freedom, that they can understand about forgiveness, and that they might walk in victory through the one who has given you those things. Well, we got to get those logs out of our eyes, and then we got to move toward them for God's glory, the building of His kingdom. Maybe it is that you're here today. And you had no idea that God loved you like he does. He demonstrated it in this way. While you were still sinners, Jesus died for you. For you. Jesus did what he did out of love for you. He's alive. Salvation, forgiveness, renewal, a new life, a new destiny all available today if by faith you'll trust Jesus and Jesus alone today would be a great day to do that be a great day for us to be able to rejoice with you so we're going to stand together if we will we're going to pray And while we pray, you do business with God. If you don't know him through Jesus as your Savior, cry out to him today. Trust him today. God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be together as a family. We thank you for your love, your mercy, for your grace. We thank you for forgiveness that we don't deserve. 
We thank you that you do pour out your blessing on us. Just pour and pour and pour and pour and shake and press down. We don't deserve any of that. But you give and you love. And you've called us to to take that to those that are outside of the family. I pray that you'll forgive us of our sin of judgmentalism. Sitting in that seat that we don't belong in. That you'll forgive us of ignoring our own sin in an effort to highlight another's. God, I pray that you will wash us clean. That you will give us eyes of mercy. And that you'll use us to draw others to yourself. To point them to your son. God, we want to be agents of peace and mercy. So make us that for your glory. God, I pray for the burdens that that so many of us have walked in with today. Needs, situations going on in our life and our family, those around us, our neighbors, our friends. Whether it's sickness or finances or emotions or, or just sin that's overtaken. You know the need. You know the burden. We give them to you today. We ask that you'll move in all of those situations and prepare us to be faithful no matter what, knowing that you're good, you never make mistakes, and ultimately your glory will be seen, regardless of whether we understand it or not. God, we thank you for a chance to gather together. We ask that you'll use us in the days that are ahead, that we might represent Jesus well while we wait on his return. We thank you, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.